Hey, my name is Lizzie Smiley, and I absolutely love helping people connect with their calling and all the tools they need to kick roadblocks and excuses right out the door so they can cultivate the life they dream about. If you want to launch, grow, pivot, or scale your Etsy shop, or you've always wanted to develop the mindset and skills to run your own business, then I'm your girl. I've had that entrepreneurial spirit going strong since my very first lemonade stand, and now I'm a work-at-home mama with multiple online companies and a full-time Etsy shop, all while being present with my kids for the everyday chaos and most important milestones. On this podcast, we'll talk about all things business, mindset, Etsy, creativity, dazzling our customers, and so much more. There's plenty of room at this table for you, so scooch on in and let's go. I'm holding nothing back. Welcome to How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, friends. Welcome back to the show. I am recording my first episode back in Texas, and it's weird. Hopefully, I sound okay and look okay. I feel like I've got to get all my ducks back in a row. But I am thrilled to be back behind the mic and hanging out with you, and we have such a fun chat for today, like right up my alley because... It's going to be all about embroidery and it's something I'm learning about right now with Aunt Robbie and we're going to be we're going to be having some fun. I wanted to remind you so that uh, we do not forget if you haven't yet had a chance um I finally created that list for you guys. It's 100 in-demand micro niche keywords. So remember that when you are trying to get around saturation, you're trying to find places where you can poke and get an edge in the marketplace on Etsy that you need to, you know, use the tools to find keywords that are still in demand. They're getting just as many searches as there are competing listings, or they're getting even more monthly searches than there are competing listings. And those are the sweet spots. I have compiled a list of a hundred of those in various niches that is totally free for you where there is demand and not crazy saturation. So it can really help you get an edge in the market. By all means, grab that free resource. You are, it's, it's going to be, um, educational for you, if nothing else, to see how that kind of works and where there are some interesting opportunities. And then if you want to take that to the whole next level and geek out, like I like to, um, I have a master list that I'm constantly adding to week in, week, week out, usually every day. It's right now it's still under a thousand keywords, but it's many, many hundred and it'll break a thousand potentially even before this episode airs. I'm not sure. But the point is you can have access to my ongoing list that I add to almost daily for $4 and 99 cents a month. It would just be a membership where you'll have, you'll just be able to see all the research that I'm doing <laughs> day in and day out. So you can grab either of those down in the show notes. I want to make sure you have access to those resources if either of them appeal to you. And then I need you to know that I, I if you listened to um, a recent episode, you would have heard this already, that I have been playing with AI and created a digital product shop that is more than half AI created digital <laughs> digital downloads. And I'm going to do a workshop for you guys showing you how I am doing that. It will be a couple hundred dollars. I'm not sure yet. I need to figure out what's going to go into it, but it is a massive undertaking and will can, can seriously blow things up for you. So I will show you, I will peel back the curtain and show you everything I'm doing and literally even give you mid journey prompts. It will be fun and games. So if you want to know more about that, there is a link down the show notes to jump on the list and I will email you when I have details. I'm still ironing it all out. It was like so hectic getting back here to Texas. I just needed a beat, but I'm, it's coming up soon by the end of the year I'm, I'm planning. Okay. So today, 
Um, I'm super excited. I reached out to Charlotte a few months ago because I stumbled upon her shop when I was looking at embroidery and she, oh my gosh, she's like a celebrity. She's got this whole background in embroidery and she's been on TV shows and and I didn't know this. I just found an epic Etsy shop and she's got books that she's published and she's been in magazine publications and she's also the most charming person you will ever meet. So we're going to talk embroidery. Let me tell you her bio, Charlotte Lyons designs and makes things to love, still inspired by the humble simplicity of traditional art and craft and the inventive use of repurposed materials. Charlotte's work is infused with the vintage charm of handmade keepsakes. Currently, she designs stitchable embroidery samplers for her Etsy shop and creative classes for national workshops. Over the years, her work has been featured in her books, Mothers and Daughters at Home, Between Friends, and the Home Companion series, and also in magazines such as Country Living, Victoria, Women's Day, Better Homes and Gardens, Molly Makers, Where Women Create, Cloth Paper Scissors, that's a cute name, (laughs) Green Craft, and Mary Englebright's Home Companion. Born and educated in St. Louis, Charlotte raised three artistic daughters in a bright pink house in Chicago. Presently, she lives in Southern Vermont, where she teaches textile art classes and workshops. Holy moly, the woman is amazing. You're going to love her. Let's welcome Charlotte to the podcast. Charlotte, hey, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, everyone needs to laugh with us because we've been talking for 10 minutes and I keep being like, I need to hit play. I need to hit play. But I'm already so into it and, and we need to bring everyone around the table with us. <laughs> but I'm so grateful for you to be here. And I'm so it's so fun being fast friends. Um, and you have an amazing story to share. Well, uh, we'll see. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. You know, we've never had someone on the podcast before to talk with us about embroidery. I'm actually, I didn't even mention this to you. I'm just now getting into some embroidery, like just starting to learn a little bit. It's a curiosity for me. So this is, you kind of be my mama in the embroidery world, if you don't mind. <laughs> you might need more than one. <laughs> but, I know. Um, embroidery has really taken off. It's just so amazing to see. Um, yeah, quite a thing. You know, I think a lot of the home arts have been have been growing uh, with your generation, uh, and you know, with with mine too. Um, this is a good time in in my age group, good time to kick back and enjoy a couple of things that we knew when we were younger and get that muscle memory back in action. So many people write to me and say, you know, I haven't done this in years. Do you think I can? And yeah, sure. And it's um, such a portable, lovely thing to have in a basket and cart around, you know, and just enjoy when you can. Okay. We, we need to understand your, well, first of all, I need to know, is your heart so happy to see a rebirth of these things, to see the culture coming back to it? Absolutely. Um, and it's not the first time. Um, in 2000, um, I published a book called Mothers and Daughters at Home. And, um, well, Simon and Schuster published it, but it was it's my book. And it was the story of my life at home with my three daughters growing up and how important it was for us to make things and share that experience. Um, you know, it made me happy because I was doing what I loved and it made them happy because they were doing it with me and they were learning by doing. And we also, of course, could talk about so many things that, um, that, are harder to talk about if you're just sitting at the kitchen table staring mm. at each other like, hmm, tell me what you did, you know, last weekend, actually. So, you know, those things come out as you're working together. And a lot of you already know that. But then there was 9-11. And um, 
everyone, it was a similar time as now, everyone was anxious and what can I do to, you know, kind of fill my time and fill my head and my heart with something other than anxiety. And all of a sudden there was this huge resurgence in uh, things like knitting and quilting. Knitting especially became huge because um, people could do it at work. Um, they could do it while they were, you know, uh, being interviewed or they, while they were at a meeting, uh, they could knit in their lap and nobody noticed or cared because so many people were doing it. You could knit on the subway, um, just so many um, places where you could enjoy your craft. And then everything kind of tumbled behind it and uh, it became cool again to crochet and to make things and to knit and to quilt and to embroider and um, things that we'd all, uh, you know, had for a while and kind of relegated to grandma. You know, that's what you do when you're at grandma's house or, you know, it just, it wasn't, it didn't have the youthful spin on it. And, um, and that's become um, an amazing way that it has grown and continued to grow. Um, and all the different crafts, you know, like making sourdough bread and just so many things that we've enjoyed at home have turned out to be um, really just food for our souls. Um, it's been amazing. I love that. And I did not appreciate, I was in college when 9-11 happened and I didn't appreciate that we saw a similar resurgence then. That is, that makes so much sense. But now kind of watching, looking at that pattern, you know, like the the pandemic again, kind of kicking us back into yeah. what are the things, like, what can I go back to? What can I do with my hands? How can I take a break from the technology and do something really tactile? Um, but tell us your, like, your background. Like, how did you come into embroidery? Like, did you start as a child? Like, I want, I want the skinny. I want to know where this came <laughs> from. Because you're not just some casual... Sewer, you know, you are extremely accomplished. So I'd love to know where that all, what the birth of that was. Yes, I, I grew up out in the country. My mother had a, a little cottage industry. She made uh, handbags for ladies who lunch. <laughs> they oh would show God. up with a, a wicker handbag. So this is like in 1965, maybe. Um, and they'd show up with a wicker handbag and a new dress. And they wanted everything to be matchy-matchy. Oh. So my mother would make these um, open basket wicker purses uh, that had a, an, a big opening around the top of the, ba of the basket with handles. I mean, it looked like a purse. And then um, she would weave a colorful ribbon through the openings around the top. And then she would embroider this little plaque with the person's initials. Uh, and she'd glue it onto the front of the basket. And then she'd cut out all these felt flowers and glue them around the little plaque as a, a colorful frame. It was very summery, very, yeah. <laughs> very, very wonderful. And it was my job when I got home from school to cut out flowers for her and stack them up on the work table. So like, these are all the big purple daisies. These are all the pink ones. And um, I did that, you know, all the time. And I loved doing it. I loved cutting up those felt shapes and I loved stacking them up. And um, that's where I think I developed my sense of color um, oh. and, and my, my feeling for, um, you know, contrasting palettes and, um, 
just that whole and color was very bright then in the 60s. I mean, everything was hot pink and, uh, you know, scarlet orange and, you know, citrusy yellow. And I loved all those colors and I loved doing that. And so that was my my education in color. And then um, I had a lot of time to myself because we lived out in, you know, outside of town, pretty far outside of town. And um, I spent a lot of time on my own. You know, later in the 60s, um, everybody was embroidering everything. Um, it was part of the the uh, hippie movement. Um, you know, we were all embroidering our jeans. I oh. cut up my jeans and made this this skirt out of them, a long floor length skirt out of a pair of jeans plus another pair patched in, you know, where I cut the legs open and stuff. And then I embroidered all over, all over that thing. There was a, a like a, a 36 inch high apple tree on the back of my jean skirt and um, yeah, apples and animals and it was a work of art, and I don't know what happened to it. Oh, do you still gone. have it? <laughs> no, I do not have it. It's gone. But I, um, I loved making that skirt. And then, you know, the next thing was the peasant blouse. We all made peasant blouses, and we embroidered all those. I went to Mexico once, and um, for a while, I was there for a month, and just went to the market every day and bought a, a muslin shirt to bring home and play with and embroider and. Uh, that was a lot of fun. All that to say, I was self-taught. I didn't have anybody who was, I think I probably had a couple of friends, a couple of girlfriends who were probably much better stitchers than I was. We didn't call it stitching then. We called it embroidery. Okay. You know. um, so I learned a lot, I think, from them. And then I got married and had children and um, all of those home crafts were my way of staying home. <laughs> <laughs> and staying with my kids, making things for the house rather than buy them because that's how I could afford to stay home. And um, I started embroidering their baby clothes and their little dresses. I made a whole suite of embroidered smock dresses oh. for my um, two older girls. And then when I was pretty sure I was finished with you know, having children, I donated them all to the thrift shop. And like two weeks later, found out I was pregnant. I went back in there and it was like, can I buy those dresses back? She's like, no, those went out the door the day you donated them. They're long gone. Okay, I'll start again. I'll make them again, which oh. I did. Um, so embroidery was something that I I did for fun, but, um, you know, it was just kind of a companion craft to the other things that I did. And um I've always loved the idea of upcycling. So I got very involved in rug hooking with, um, with old clothes, with uh, wool skirts and uh, shirts and um, in the traditional sense of rug hooking where um, it's like, this is a craft that goes back to, uh, well, goes back hundreds thousands of years. Um, but uh, I would draw a design on a piece of burlap and then cut um, a skirt into strips and use a, a rug hook, which originally was, a um, in the old days, would have been a piece of wood with a horseshoe nail in it. And they would curve the tip and um, put a little barb on it with filing all the 
things that a blacksmith would do. And then you poke through the burlap and catch the wool strip and pull it up. Oh. And so you make these caterpillars of, of, <laughs> of wool strips. And after a while, it's a rug. I started making those and I made those like obsessively. <laughs> My kids would be like, mom, you gonna make some dinner? <laughs> We're hungry. Can you put that rug down for a minute? We're hungry. Um, so I just made rugs like crazy. And, um, and, and then Country Living did a story on me and my rugs. I have it here. I, I pulled out the things. No um, this, which is from 1986. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, it's a short piece, but uh, it has some of my rugs in there, which, oh, you know, wow. are all self-designed. Anyway. Um, oh. So, yeah, I was busy hooking rugs and this... <laughs> This article was wonderful, and I um, in those days there wasn't the internet, so I you know had a PO box, and I would get letters from people saying, "Can you draw that design for me?" or "Do you have a kit?" or whatever else, and um, and I would uh, you know fill the orders by the by the envelope as they came in in the in the post office box. I also had a little quilt thing that I was doing. Um, where I was embroidering quilt squares and I had this baby quilt pattern and I advertised, this was like in 1982, I advertised in Yankee Magazine, you know, like a little ad this big mm -hmm. like, cost, you know, a mortgage. I mean, it was like so expensive. And I was like, I just have to make enough money to pay off that ad. But the business side of it was, you know, harder for me. I just wanted to make stuff and I'm still just wanting to make stuff. Um, but you know, my pile of things that I've kept, you know, throwing it onto the pile, that's pretty big. And it's, um, so that takes me right to Etsy. Yes. <laughs> Etsy has been so great for me. Yeah. No. Okay. Perfect. I love that. So, okay. So basically started because you got these publications and then you were getting fa basically fan mail from them and, um, people were wanting to order kits and things like that. Did, did you already have those ready or was that just like, oh, you're going to accommodate what kind of came from that experience? Yes, sometimes I was ready. Sometimes <laughs> it was like, you know, you got to make a kit tonight and get it out of here. Um, and the same thing when my book came out with Simon and Schuster, still before the internet. This is my first book, Mothers and Daughters at Home, which was oh. two, year 2000 and still available on the internet. For I was gonna like, say, I have to link it because that's one much. You can get a, get a real deal on that book because it's from <laughs> the year 2000. Um, but it was a beautiful book. And my editor would pass me like manila envelopes full of letters from readers. And those weren't asking me for anything. They were just really lovely letters about how much they enjoyed having the book at home. And, you know, and at post 9-11, it's nice to have something to do with the kids and we're just hanging around home. And um, so the letters continued like that. And then my, I did another book, which was Between Friends, and that came out in 2002. Oh, um, look at that. Yeah. It, um, the cover is really sweet. The cover is really sweet. And Rosie O'Donnell said a nice thing. Charlotte is quite crafty. I enjoy her books. Oh. She was my full quote for the for the the cover. Um, 
What an unlikely, I, I would have never thought that Rosie O'Donnell would have been. I know. The type but to- she, that was, she was just um, starting her magazine. Okay. And she also did an article on me in her magazine, which was really nice, a feature about crafts that I did at home. That was great. I don't know where that is. but Okay, um, back up. Charlotte, how did you get into all these public, how did they find you? How did they know you're at well, home with these uh, three girls? I need this. Yeah. When the book came out, you know, it's your job to promote it and get it out there and sell it. Um, you have to give it legs, as they say in the industry. You know, it can't just sit there on the shelf. So um, Simon & Schuster set me up with a number of, of you know, appearances. Okay. Was on the CBS early morning show with Julie Chen, I think it was then. I was on HGTV and the DIY network. I was on cool. Sally Jesse Raphael, <laughs> Sally Jesse's show. And uh, my editor said, what, what are you going to be doing on that show? <laughs> right. She doesn't seem like the mother daughter kind right. of audience, but um, she was, and it was, it was a, a good experience, but it was, it was really my job to promote the book. So regarding Rosie, I wanted to get it in the hands of people who would look at it and maybe mention it or share it, you know, be great to see somebody hold it up on the CBS morning show and say, Oh, this cool book that I found, you know, or whatever. So I found that um, when I sent books to celebrities, uh, the book never reached the celebrity. And that's because the personal assistant would get it first. (laughs) A lot of times they'd just take it home. And it didn't didn't reach the, um, the celebrity. So I finally figured out right about the time with Rosie, I sent two books, one for the personal assistant and one for Rosie. Please take this in there and put it on her desk. Let her see it. And that worked. I got a response. Smart. Um, Yeah. I don't know how that, I think that's all changed now, but I'm um, sure, you know, in those days it was, it was a good thing. Still, I was not really, I was making things and I, I, you know, my, my book business was keeping me busy, but, um, you know, you always have to go for the next thing, right? You have to keep working forward. And, um, my children said, mom, you should start a blog. I'm like, a what? (laughs) (laughs) And you need to open an Etsy shop. I'm like, huh? And they just made it clear to me that I needed to progress and, um, you know, get with it. And that's, that's where it's all happening. So I took a seminar on how to open a blog, which I did. And this is like in 2004, maybe. So, um, wow. You were early on it then. Like you were on, yeah, good timing. Yeah. And I opened my Etsy shop, I think, in 2006. And that was just um, kind of like um, I was making things in response to my followers from the blog who would say, you know, can you make that little heart and make more so we can buy them and make 12 and I'd put them on the Etsy shop. And that was really wonderful. It was just wonderful to connect that way. And it opened me up to all these people that had read my book and knew about me, but I didn't know about them. I didn't know they were there. Uh, and all of a sudden, it was just this really nice community that I'd been building and una- unaware that I was. 
So um, I got invitations to teach and, you know, that opened my, my circle a little bit. And I learned a lot of business things from the other teachers. Um, you know, there were a lot of people who were way ahead of me on the Etsy um, okay. selling. And, um, you know, I, I learned a lot from them. Um, so my, my Etsy shop for, you know, for the most part was just kind of a, a, a place to put things and, you know, you can go to my Etsy shop and find mm-hmm. it there. I'll pack it up and send it to you tomorrow. And it was new and it was small and it was great. And um, I got tired of making big things one at a time. <laughs> that just got to be um, a lot. And um, so I um, I started to refine the focus of of what I was doing. I had to find a way to, to bring it down to something I could manage. And, um, embroidery was perfect for that. Um, I could embroider a single panel and then I could, you know, I found a way to get the design transferred to fabric and, um, I could sell it to other makers who wanted to, um, embroider as well. And that really, you know, immediately kind of defined itself as my spot. And, and it's, it's been great. If you guys haven't jumped onto the Everbee bandwagon yet, this is your sign to check it out ASAP. If you haven't heard of it before, Everbee is a free tool that can help you find trends, products, and niches that are hot sellers on Etsy right now. I personally use it in tandem with Sales Samurai because they do totally different things. And I literally don't think I could compete in the current Etsy marketplace today without it or help you guys as effectively. Uh, Everbee gives me so much information that I can't glean just from studying Etsy. All you need is a laptop or desktop. You can't do it on your phone, so you do need a laptop or whatever. A Google Chrome browser, a quick install of the Everbee extension. And for my tech challenge friends, I promise you it's super simple. And then you will gain access to a whole new world of data about your niche and competitors. So this is a tool I use every single day um, for my own Etsy shop research, for coaching calls that I do with you guys all the time, for shop reviews I do for you guys all the time. And just as I work on growing my personal mastery of Etsy, these tools have have become so instrumental in getting the results that I do. And I, I mean, I can still use my old school tactics. I still use them, but I... I don't use them alone anymore because it's just, it's a whole different ball game. So these guys have just been a game changer for me. I use Everbee to learn everything about bestsellers and high performing listings. It shows me, okay, I'm going to give you a rundown. It shows me how many sales a shop makes from each listing. I can see how many they've sold of it, how much money that listing has made them or is earning them every month, how old the listing is, like how, how early did they get on on that, on that trend, what their tags are and how competitive those tags are. It gives me an at-a-glance view of all the shop data, um, which sometimes I can't otherwise find, and like the competitor listing data that I need to help my students and myself find ways to penetrate the market. So like I said before, Etsy has a totally free version, like not just a free trial. There is a free version so everyone can get access to it. Download Down in the show notes, I have a link to their site for you so you can um, check it out. And I also included a quick YouTube tutorial to show you exactly how I use it because sometimes like the barrier to entry is trying to figure out new technology. So I got you. Just go watch. It's a quick video. It'll show you how to navigate it. So if you don't have it yet, get Everbee. Jump on that today. I'm so excited for you to get this edge on the market. You're going to love it. It's a game changer.
Is that what we call a sampler, that product? Um, yeah, I think this is one of the first ones that I did. Oh, so okay. the design's printed on the cotton and um, you just put it in your hoop and, you know, use your embroidery floss to, to embroider the design, much like the ones that our grandmothers did, you know, it was a big piece of linen and it was stamped in blue oh. and they would, you know, embroider um, like a basket of flowers. Um, they did dish towels and linens for the table. I still see them all the time at uh, tag sales and I collect them because they're really just cool. And uh, yeah, they came as big kits sometimes with all the, the wool or the floss and a stitch guide and, uh, you know, lots of information. So uh, I don't, I don't make the kits. I don't kit them up because for me and for a lot of women who do embroider, uh, it's more fun just to like, oh, I'm going to make this house pink and somebody else might want to make it red. And somebody else might want it okay. to be all blanket stitch or not all blanket stitch. Somebody else, you know, might want it to be um, uh, a, a short and long stitch or a chain stitch. So for me, embroidery is about the experiment and the adventure in color and stitches. And um, that's, that's what I'm promoting with these samplers. Um, you know, bring your creativity to this and have fun with it and be brave. Try some new stitch that you never did before. Um, and and it'll probably be great once you get the hang does of it, it. Does Sampler have a pattern in it or does it just have the fabric with the print on it? It just has a fabric with the print on it. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is the one, this is called Mr. America. It's <laughs> and, wow. um, this, and it was kind of the one that really opened up my business. Maybe it was, okay. maybe it was because the word America's in there. Maybe, yeah. maybe people were searching that word and then here comes this weird embroidered design. Mr. America is, was my mother's cat. Um, <laughs> I missed that. I was about to take a drink of coffee and I almost spit it everywhere. That's yeah. just so Mr. America is featured quite small here down in the front, but um, yeah, so uh, Mr. America was my mother's cat and I made that for her. Mr. America was a wonderful cat. When we'd go to the vet, they would go, here he comes, Mr. America, <laughs> sing it out. <laughs> Such a great cat. And um, we loved Mr. America. Uh, I, he'd be happy to know that he's still living on and the possibility and of it all Golly. <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh okay so um you know what i have to pop this question in here because i didn't when you got on etsy i didn't even know it existed you know i opened my first shop in 2016 can mm -hmm. you tell us how it's changed like what is it like selling then versus now Wow. Well, then it was smaller. So, yeah. you know, it was easier to find people. Um, and it was um, a lot more relaxed. Okay. You know, Etsy's a big business now and they have their expectations. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of more rules, which, you know, was part of their growing and discovery process as well. But in those days, it was really simple. It was just like kind of, you know, fill the envelope and put a stamp on it and send it off. And, you know, now it's a little more complicated. Now I've got my 
my label maker for my shipping and um yeah but you know that growth at etsy has been good for me uh it's helped me grow my business tremendously okay interesting yeah, yeah. when did you see a big jump the pandemic yeah um, yeah but um even even as the pandemic started to wane um it jumped um and it, maybe it's because I, well, I think it's because there's a lot more of it out on the market. Um, embroidery is all over the place now. Um, you know, kits and floss and small businesses specializing just in that. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a big industry. Maybe it always was, but it's, you know, now it's, I understand and see it. And, uh, I love it. I'm on like the research end of it, you know, like um, I'm I'm on Etsy in the data every day because I'm coaching clients and all of this. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you for a fact that embroidery has exploded, that it was something that, you know, it's, it's always had its tribe. It's always had its people who, you know, were, were all about it, but there are a lot, I think of new players coming. Like, like, like you said earlier, it's bringing a new generation. The same thing that happened with knitting years ago. I, knitting is my thing. I love to knit. I love the rhythm of it, but I was kind of, that was for me about 10 years ago when it had a resurgence and I'm, you know, gosh, I'm, it's, it's making me think now, I don't even know why, why knitting did have a resurgence, but I, I can tell you for sure that embroidery has just exploded. And I love that for you. So are you, um, you're still selling tons of samplers. I know that I wanted to ask you, um, how you ended up getting an edge on your, on your niche. I'm now I'm thinking you've probably just been there so long. You're, you're, the, you're the oldest game in town, but I'd love your thoughts on that. Like what, how you think? Well, I have a lot of, um, embroidery followers when I release a new sampler, a new design, it's there's a core group that buys it that that day. I okay. can't wait to have it. And do you do a um, launch? Do you email and everything? Do you like let people know it's coming? I should. I you have don't, a no, no, you should not. Don't shit on yourself. That's hysterical. Um, no, I love that you don't. Yeah. They just know that it dropped. Sometimes I'll mention it on Instagram, and I found that if I focus on Instagram, there it will um, send people to my shop. And you know, Instagram's gotten so weird. And yeah. So, um, so much a different game for, um, people like me. Um, are you on TikTok? No. Well, I have a name over there, but I, I don't do that. And my okay, kids, well, when you decide you like, want to be a millionaire, Charlotte, the minute you decide you want to be a multimillionaire, let's get you on TikTok because <laughs> I'm, that's going to go like gangbusters. I can't even really? fathom. Yeah. Well, somebody would have to explain it to me. Maybe oh my I'll gosh. I'll be right over. Okay. All right. <laughs> that would be great. Um, then I'd have to move my studio to a bigger room in the house. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah. So, you know, I like making the sampler. I like designing yeah. it. You know, it starts with a doodle and then, you know, it progresses until it's something that can be published as a, on fabric. And, um, and I love offering it and stitching it up with, um, friends who are doing that too. And yeah, it's, uh, it's been a great way to have like an enormous sewing circle, <laughs> you know, wow. um, we're all getting together that way. And then it's translated into my workshops that I do too, which are not really embroidery samplers as much. They're, they're more like slow stitching, but every, um, one of the things that I do now is I make these stitch books 
This is the holiday one from last year. And it's a fabric book, kind of like the baby's fabric book. But everyone has a, every one of my books has an embroidery page in it where you get to just stitch. um, And then the rest of it is like slow stitching. Um, There's a, yeah. So that's what I have my workshops for. And um, yeah, super cute. Um, So it's all kind of meshing together. One business feeds the other one. Yeah, that's brilliant. The the online workshops send people to my Etsy shop to keep stitching on something new. And the Etsy sellers, if they go to my site, they find out about the workshops. So yeah, it's been keeping me really busy. It's (laughs) nice. (laughs) <laughs> but I still I still love the feeling of coming down in the morning with my coffee and and playing store with my little Etsy orders, you know, um, filling the envelope, writing the note, putting in, you know, there and putting this sticker label on. It's just so satisfying. It's like being a 10 year old and playing shop with your sister, you know, yes. you're, you're going to run the cash register and I'm going to write the orders and, you know, somebody with a clipboard. Um, it feels like that. Is it ever overwhelming? Do you ever have so many, I mean, when I was running my sign shop, it was especially this time of year, I would be very overwhelmed and my hands would be very tired. And I'm just Mm -hmm. curious for you. Like, I I love that. I love that you love it so much, but I'm just curious. More than anything, I worry about fulfilling my, you know, my fulfilling the, the expectations of my customer. Um, You know, it's like, oh, that order has been sitting there for two days. I've Mm got to, got to get that out. And, um, you know, I walk to the post office with my orders and a special little bag. They see me coming. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a lot of fun still. That makes me so happy. When did you decide to add the digital download effect, like factor? I love that you did that, by the way. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure when it was, but it, um, you know, it was many years ago. I started okay. weaving that in. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I can offer more, uh, you know, I can offer a full set of instructions okay. and without the whole postage and handling and packaging. What I like about my physical sampler business is that, you know, it's the same package every time. Okay. Um, and I, huh. I've got that all down pat, but, um, you know, to change the shape of the packaging and stuff would require, um, you know, another inventory of boxes or whatever. Yes. So, um, the digital download is a great way to share it with instructions. And, um, a lot of people, you know, love a download. Um, let's, let's get it going tonight. People ask, ask me to expand that. That could be on my list of things to do for next year. Just to make oh, it easier love, to access. Create it and it can just keep selling. Is it the same? Do you just, is it a, like a, a digital version of what gets printed on the fabric? And sometimes, then, okay. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's just an independent project. Like I have a project called Maggie's Farm and um, it's a tote bag and it has a bunch of little embroidered animals that go inside of it. And so you build the tote bag to look like a barn and then you put a little stitch up and stuff, all the little animals that go in there. And that's, that's great just the way it is because the patterns are easy to transfer and um, the instructions I I think are <laughs> um, are enough that you can do that without having to purchase anything physical. You just I have, use 
Wait, oh, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. You're, I love your, you are the most soothing person, Charlotte. Like your cadence, I could just, I mean, it, you are just the most soothing person, but it makes me who is a very high strung person talk over to you. And I apologize for that. But I was hearing, I was hearing this little voice on my people struggle so much with shipping. It's like the bane of their existence. Where do you, do you use like a bubble mailer? No, I use, um, a six by eight flat manila envelope. Okay. Um, so I, and that way I'm able to send a lot of things as letters, Okay. uh, which keeps the postage down. And, um, you know, it's, that's how I started. And, um, it still works. That size still works. Most of my panels are small enough that I can fold them, you know, do a little origami thing and get them in that, in that envelope uh, without it being too thick, uh, which exactly. pops it into a different shipping category. <laughs> the folks at the post office, Karen and Randy are amazing. They see me come in, they're like, oh, Charlotte, this one's a little fat. You're going to have to take that home, repack it, or put some more stamps on it. It used to be like that. Now that I've got my label maker, I'm, I'm all set for bigger, bigger shapes and sizes, but yeah, I like, I like the uniformity of it. Um, that's, that's been good because the shipping is really hard, you know, it's hard to figure it out. And then, you know, last year or the last couple of years, the mail, I used the mail and, you know, so many people like, where's my stuff? Mm -hmm. It's like, I sent it on you know, a week ago, 10 days ago. Um, and it's very hard to explain to a customer that I, you know, I did everything I could, but I, boy, I mean, I've, I'll get it to you. I even worked it out with one woman. She couldn't get it. It just, I kept sending it and it wouldn't arrive. And I was like, where else can we send this? And she said, why don't you send it to my sister's house? Bam, it arrived, got there. Um, we should have thought of that in the very beginning. Um, yeah, it's, That's it's been really hard to kind of anticipate and figure out, but that leads me to, um, the thing that I've learned the most is that you've got to do everything you can for your customers. Yes. Um, you really have to keep them happy. You have to go the extra mile. And it was a hard lesson for me to learn. I still get very upset about a review that is, um, Really? Um, you know, I just, I, I have, I have to pick a certain time of day to look at reviews because otherwise I'll be up all night. Like, oh no, it's not there. Yeah. I can't, I really struggle with that. And most of my reviews are good, but every once in a while you get somebody who just really, really gives it to you. And, um, I've learned that you just got to get over that and you got to make it right. Um, because an unhappy customer can really put a dent in your business. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta do the right thing. You gotta wait till you can um, make them happy. Keep trying, keep trying. I think it's funny that we even need to say that. Like, I don't know, call me old fashioned, but it's so intuitive to me to like bend over backwards to make my, mm-hmm. I, hopefully you stay out of the Etsy Facebook groups because they mm-hmm. are, they are so negative, which is why in the beginning of the year, I'm opening my own and it ha- it will be a very happy place and you're going to get kicked out if you're not nice. Um, yeah. But I, there's so much negativity around the customers. And I'm like, listen, if you really run a good business, it's going to be few and far between that are difficult. And when you have them, you're just going to take care of them. <laughs> it's it, And you know what has helped me so much? 
I think what you, cause I was like you, I would, I, in the beginning, I would lose sleep. I would, it would really stress mm-hmm. me out. I would take it so personally. And I, I took a, a trick I learned from parenting, which is um, with kids, like sometimes you can't anticipate what's going to happen and you don't necessarily know how to respond. So I plan my responses ahead of time. I know that like, if my baby is going to go play in the water bowl and make a big mess. I, I, I'm going to go, uh-oh, like I already know exactly what I'm going to do. And then he's going to say, oh no, looks like a little playpen time. And mm-hmm. it helps me not have to, because the, my brain doesn't have to do the extra work to figure out how am I going to handle the situation. Yeah. And it's like, same thing with my eight-year-old. If she's going to be pestering, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to go, gosh, you know what? I'm feeling a little hassled right now. And if she keeps going, she knows she's going to have to pay me in chores for hassle time. So I'm <laughs> Well, that I was a clever thing to start with. I never heard of hassle time getting chores <laughs> in return. Oh, Let boy. <laughs> tell you, um, my parenting coach came on the podcast earlier this year. Her name is Brittany Serple, and it was a phenomenal episode. And she's the one who, I have no brilliance in this area. I am a cat on a hot tin roof when it comes to, like, I want to be such a good mom, but I don't have the answer. So she helps me be better. But I use that analogy to say, you can use that same thing with your customer. There's, you already know the things that are going to come up. There's going to be a problem with shipping. There's going to be, they're not going to like it. They're going to want to exchange it. And you can have your responses ready where you don't have to cycle on yeah. whatever they're saying. Because whatever they're saying is more about them than it is about right. you, right? And so I, um, I'm just plugging this in because I know people, it's like, true. The fear of it, the yeah. fear of it holds them back. And I'm just telling you, yes, are a few of them going to sting? They are. But I like what Gary Vaynerchuk says, that if someone has the time on their hands to go and just dog on someone else and be nasty and be cruel, they are going through something really hard. Their life is terrible. And so rather than being mad at them, I have empathy for them. Mm. And that's very much like how I operate. But then there's the part of, okay, now I also have to manage me in the situation. And mm-hmm. I just keep it very simple, very empathetic. And I already know what I'm going to say. And as soon as I had those things already figured out, it made the stress went away on the bad review. One of my daughters. Correct them too. Yeah. One of my daughters said, pretend your gap or, you know, some other business. There's a really nice personal way that you can say, I'm so sorry you're disappointed. And um, just start from there. You know, I think empathy for their disappointment goes a long way. And, um, and then indicating that, you know, I'm willing to do what I can to make this right for you. Yes. So those are the businesses that I remember dealing with, you know, that were wonderful and made it so easy to fix a situation as opposed to the, I'm sorry, our return policy is. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I also think having a person respond with some, you know, with some sense of self, you know, so you feel as though you are talking to an individual when you're unhappy. You know, I think I mentioned, you know, the voice in the wilderness, you know, we're so, we're, everything's so automated now. We don't get to talk to anyone anymore about what's gone wrong. It's nice just to be able to express that and get a, get a thoughtful response in return. It's worked really, it's worked wonders. Honestly, most of my bad reviews all got turned around just because I wasn't just like, sorry, this is our, I was just like, I am so sorry. I'm sure, you know, you waited for for my signs. You waited for two weeks for this to come and then you're not, to be disappointed would be, would just be a real bummer. And let me help you. Let me make that right for you. You know what I mean? Like just a few sentences and I don't have to feel it. I don't have to feel that way when I'm sending it. Mm -hmm. I just need to meet the person where they're at. So I love that you said that. Was that, oh, you know what? Oh, there's so many things I want to ask you, Charlotte. This is just, this is too much fun. I do want to ask you, when is your busiest time of year? Um, 
I think it's holiday time is it is okay busy, and then also vacation time when people are thinking about you know going off. You know, I want something to do at the lake, so I'm gonna buy a, you know a sampler, and you know I I want to take this with me on my summer vacation, so I have something to do while everybody's you know out on paddle boards or whatever. Yes. Um, so yeah, then the holidays, which include Easter and. Um, okay. Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is a great uh, time for stitching. Beautiful, traditional Valentines have been stitched forever. Yeah, it just kind of depends upon the season. You know, even fall and autumn, you know, it's cozy time. Sit in a chair by the fire and uh, have a cup of tea and something to stitch. Do you have a slow time? You literally just mentioned every single part of the year. <laughs> yeah. Um no, not not I so much. That. It's yeah, it's pretty steady. It doesn't mean I'm getting hundreds of orders every day, but um, you know, I have I I have orders to to fill every day. And when I don't, I go back to Instagram and I I refeature a piece of a sampler and say this is the stitch I used on this. I still love blah 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 and um <laughs> that kind of wakes up interest, you know. Oh, that's right. She she does embroidery and she sells them over in Etsy. Yes, sometimes you have to kind of poke your audience. Yes. Um, and Instagram is great for that. Facebook is great for that. And a newsletter is great for that, except that I just <laughs> hate writing newsletters. <laughs> I find that so challenging. Uh, so what you're doing is working. So what about, do you have any help? Do you do it all yourself? I do it all myself. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, um, yeah. What advice would you give someone brand new to Etsy? Now, I actually really love this question for you, knowing how long you've been on there and you know the culture then and now. What would you tell someone just getting started? Find find your niche that you're really comfortable with um, and, and start with that. Um, you can expand later into other things, but you have to build, you know, an audience for yourself like, oh, that's the person who does reads. And she does the this and the that, you know, you don't have to sell a ton of them to get going, but you need to have people coming back to, even if it's just one listing, that's where you get it. And then, uh, you know, kind of refine that, um, get really good at it. Um, and then you can start, you know, adding other things like now I'm offering, you know, a special whatever that's going to go sit in that wreath, it's, you know, a, another thing. Um, but, and then I think just to stay the course, um, one of my daughters started an Etsy shop and it, it, it's, it was slow and she's like, this, you know, is this ever going to go anywhere? Well, you have to like, you have to build the world for it. You have to get it into your social media and you just have to kind of focus, focus, focus. And then you have to hang in there and wait for it to, to get a hold. You know, there's just a flurry of things out there um, in Etsy. There's so many products and so many levels of handmade uh, or not handmade as mm -hmm. we know. And it's hard to compete with all of that. So if my daughter were here, she'd say, yeah, you have to get your SEOs organized too. I was like, wait, what is that SNM for again? Um, do you, yeah, you gotta, you gotta do the hard work behind, behind the, the, besides making the wreath, you got to do all the hard work about how am I going to get it in front of everyone? And how am I going to ship it and everything else? But if you want to do it and if you have an audience, even if it's six girlfriends, if those six girlfriends tell their, you know, 
keep it growing that way. You can you can probably get there after a bit. Hey, my friend, I'm just checking in to see how you're doing on your Etsy journey. Do you have all the support you need? I'm so honored that you're here listening to the podcast, and I want to make sure that you also know that I have a bunch more resources that can help you with your specific questions over in the resources section of my website. Whether your focus is print-on-demand, digital products, handmade items, and even more, there are tools and freebies and courses specific to your product type that are made by experts that I have already vetted for you. I don't know about you, but when I started my Etsy shop back in 2016, I was a busy mama, and I didn't have oodles of time that was spare that I could just spend spinning my wheels trying to figure out Etsy completely on my own. I needed someone who knew what they were doing to teach me as efficiently and effectively as possible. And as soon as I was able to leverage the knowledge of an expert, I'm telling you my personal results on Etsy went through the roof. Sales went literally from crickets to cha-chings within a week of implementing all of those things that I learned. So if you're looking for that kind of help, you want to get to the bottom of it, you want to get moving and grooving, where somebody who knows how your niche works on Etsy can show you the steps to start getting sales, come on over and visit my resources page at howtosellyourstuff.com forward slash resources, and I'd love to connect you with the perfect expert for your business. I know their expertise will make all the difference in the world for you. So once again, that's howtosellyourstuff.com forward slash resources, where you can find answers to your specific questions. I'll see you there. This is this is not the kind of story that we have every day on the podcast because there's a lot of print-on-demand discussion and digital project discussion, and that's all great. Mm-hmm. And then there's also this element of like following trends. But for the person who really just who wants to build a solid business on a specific niche and something that they're really passionate about, you're exactly right. And there's this part where there might be a lot of demand on Etsy, but you can create a marketplace for yourself the way that you just described by building that audience, mm-hmm. you know, by, by building a, um, a customer base through basically networking out, you know, through the people that, you know, so mm-hmm. I love that you shared that. Um, Oh my gosh, we've already And then there. there's also, you know, now there are tools like Canva and, mm-hmm. um, you know, that can make you look like you've been doing it for a hundred years and you're a true pro can really show it off that way too. Yes. Canva makes it unbelievably easy. And I was yeah. just looking last night on Etsy and there's tons of, even, even beyond that, you can get Canva templates that you can buy on Etsy that are totally branded for you already. <laughs> like with the right mood that yeah. you want, you don't yeah. even have to go figure out Canva. <laughs> you can right. just yeah. plug it's and play great. for a few dollars. So yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I love seeing little businesses that have figured that out and you know, that's what they're doing. Yeah. That's great. Is, is there anything else that you were really um, excited to share today, Charlotte? I feel like we've talked about so many amazing things and there's more that I could ask, but we're, we are chomping on the time here. Did, was there anything else that you were, you were looking forward to sharing? No. Uh, I think I probably covered it all. Um, just, you know, that Etsy isn't, um, you know, I, it can't be all everything. Um, yeah. You have to find the ways that it works for you and, um, you know, just and keep tunneling toward that. It's easy to uh, be intimidated and discouraged by the, by the, the big Etsy out there. Um, and the, there are so many buyers now. People come to Etsy specifically, and that includes a lot of people who don't really know their way around Etsy. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to... <laughs> be able to help them 
too. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of fires who just I I hear I have to go to Etsy to get this. So here I am. <laughs> How am I going to get it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but more than anything, just in, enjoy the 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 reason that you started doing this. You know, the it's a process, and hopefully, it comes with some joy. I would, yeah, hopefully. Where are the best places to find you and connect, Charlotte? I know I'm definitely going to share links to your books because I don't think that you had sent that before. But where where should people look you up? Well, I have my site called House Ren Studio, and um, that's my workshops are advertised on there. I, I don't have a, a live workshop yet right now, um, but I've got a list of workshops that I offer so you can find out what those are like. And then, um, you know, Etsy, my Etsy shop is Charlotte Lyons and uh, yeah, I guess, and Instagram. Instagram is House Friend Studio also. It'd be nice if I had all of those names, one thing, but yeah, it's hard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah it is what it is. I'm Charlotte Lyons and my brand is House Rent Studio. So there. Does your um, website have all the same things as your Etsy shop? No, I don't sell anything on my site. I only sell through Etsy. Okay. um, Except for the workshops, which I, I sell, you know, through email correspondence and I don't know. I have to, I have to work on that. That's my next. The dislike modern challenge. (laughs) You know, how do I put a PayPal button in here? I don't get it. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Which program yeah. do you use? For my, my host. For your uh, email? Do you send them through a, like in a MailChimp kind of a thing? Yes. Yeah. I see. Um, yeah. The tech. It's the tech. Oh, it is. And I wish they'd all have the same interface. You know, <laughs> I feel like I have to learn one all over again. And I just learned that one. And, you know. Yes. Yeah. I completely understand. Yeah. It, it, is it like foreign language, right? I feel like I'm learning a foreign language over again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This was so much fun and I love your business. I love everything that you do and everything that you stand for. And I just thank you from the bottom of my heart for being willing to come on and share. Oh gosh. Thanks for, for having me and asking all those nice questions, letting me talk about myself endlessly. But um, thank you so much. We, and- Congratulations on on your great business that you've got going. You've got it figured out. And that's really wonderful. I just get to talk to cool people like you all day. Like it's not hard. Good job. It's It's a joy. Thank you. Well, you guys, thanks for hanging out with Charlotte and me today. Go check her out in all the places, especially if you embroider, like you're about to have a whole lot of fun and give her some love on Instagram. If you're over there, I know many of you are not, and I don't blame you. We're going to get her on TikTok. And um, until next week, you guys (laughs) go make something awesome. I love y'all. And that's a wrap on this episode of how to sell your stuff on Etsy. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. If you're looking for more resources, head on over to howtosellyourstuff.com where you'll find podcast show notes, all the links from today's episode, the blog, courses, coaching, and more. If this episode was helpful to you, awesome. The greatest compliment I can receive from you is a rate, review, and subscribe on this podcast. Not only will it allow us to connect again on a future episode, it lets me know I'm providing you with value and helps other people find this content more easily. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support. Have a great day and see you next time.